0: No one knows what was there before or how it all started. No one knows what forces caused it to happen, what set it all in motion almost 14 billion years ago. Some ascribe intelligence to those forces. Some see actual wisdom at work. Some see a being directing the ensuing chaos with deep mastery and some are content to be awed by the story itself, whatever or whoever might have written it. And so, in the midst of deep darkness, under pressures and temperatures unfathomable to anyone but those who develop theories and imagine only extremes, everything that ever was, everything that is, and everything that ever will be, burst forth from a single infinitesimal point. In tiny fractions of a second, particles called quarks and leptons filled almost all of what now constitutes the universe, rapidly colliding, combining, and breaking apart. Within minutes, when the temperatures had cooled to a mere billion degrees or so, neutrons and protons fused into the first hydrogen and helium molecules. Molecules and particles continued to form, to break apart, to recombine, to collide, forming vast clouds that finally, 100 million years later, burst into brilliant flame, spewing forth stars of every color and size, galaxies of swirling complexity, nebulas, novas and supernovas, and there was light. From the clouds of gases came larger and larger atoms, metals and halogens and everything in between. The atoms swirled and bumped and broke and fused, attracted to each other by forces of gravity and electromagnetism, making dust, and then particles, and then crystals and rocks, And then planets, which got swept up in the gravitational pulls of those great fiery stars, forming solar systems small and large. Some nine billion years after that big bang, a mass of rock and gas and dust coalesced in the nebula surrounding a yellow star and formed the planet we know as Earth. And the earth began to spin as it rotated the glowing sun, around the glowing sun, casting shadow on half and light on the other, and the light became day, and the darkness night The planet grew, attracting gases and dust, silica and iron. And as it grew, it attracted more and more until it drew to it comets made of ice and great clouds of gaseous water, some of which pooled on the surface of the planet. And the waters gathered into seas and the rock into masses of land and steam escaped from the crust. Volcanoes erupted and seas boiled and condensed. Rains fell on parched rock. Rivers of molten lava flowed into pools of water and islands were born. Asteroids crashed into the planet, sending great clouds of water and dust into the air. Larger and larger molecules came together. And then one day, no one is sure quite how or why, molecules were made that could replicate themselves. More and more copies were made, some accurately, some not. New and different molecules were born from these mistakes. Nucleotides, then DNA, then RNA, amino acids, and then proteins, which became enzymes, making other reactions happen. Long chains of carbon molecules that squeezed out water and made fat droplets. Fat droplets that became bubbles, which became two-sided bubbles filled with water and other random molecules. And somewhere, sometime, some of those water-filled bubbles had just the right combination of stuff in them, to become cells, and the first and oldest bacteria made their debut on our billion-year-old planet, the last universal common ancestor of all life that we now know. It was three and a half billion years ago, three and one half thousand million years ago, and there was life. Over the next 500 million years, those cells multiplied and differentiated, creating photosynthesis and increasing the levels of oxygen in the atmosphere. And the earth brought forth grass and herb-yielding seed, or at least the single-celled precursors to such things. There was oxygen now, and organisms needed to evolve ways to deal with this harsh, poisonous, toxic gas. The ones that developed ways to use it thrived in the new atmosphere, and the ones that didn't were relegated to the deepest, darkest places in the ocean where no sunlight could penetrate. Slowly but surely the waters brought forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and the seas and the land filled with creatures great and small, bacteria, protozoa, fungi, plants, and animals, and the creatures of the earth multiplied and differentiated, creating new and unique species, some of which were fit for life, and some of which were not. And thousands of millions of years went by, billions of years of combination and recombination, of evolution and differentiation, of development and competition, and survival, of reproduction, and mutation and death. And the earth filled with creatures of all sizes and shapes, from single cells to great whales, all of the beasts of the earth in their own kind. Reptiles crawled over the land, fish swam in its seas. Mammals walked the earth and some went back to the sea. Some developed larger brains and funny walking postures. Which brings us to a moment, almost 14 billion years after that great explosion, some four and a half billion years after those rocks and dust became our earth. Some 3,498 million years after those first bacteria formed in the primordial seas of earth, some of those mammals developed into an ancestor of humankind, the first placed by scientists in the, to the genus Homo. And 1,800,000 years later, the first Homo sapiens walked the earth. And there were people, man and woman and people of all kinds. <clears throat> And so it is that humankind began its history in this great and wonderful universe, a history that is only 200,000 years old. By my math, which might be faulty, something close to one one one-thousandth of one percent of the time since the universe began in that tiny speck that contained everything that has been, is, and ever will be within it. It's an amazing story. It's quite humbling to take a moment to realize the very short time people have been a part of it, such a very short time, with such great and profound effects. In those 200,000 years, humans have built great civilizations. We have learned to use the materials formed in the earth to make new and useful substances. We have developed agriculture and industry We have learned scientific inquiry and developed the tools to experimentally test our theories from microscopes to petri dishes, ultra centrifuges to the Large Hadron Collider. We have mined ore, built great buildings, and become addicted to burning the remains of our ancestors for fuel. We have consumed and consumed and then consumed some more. We have dumped our detritus where it chokes our fellow creatures, fouls our water, fills our land, and floats on our oceans in giant rafts of hazardous plastics. And by and large, we have done all of this with little regard for the consequences to our planet. Many would say that Earth itself is in peril because of human activity. I take a different view. One thing that is abundantly clear from the story of our universe is that the Earth will outlast the tiny specks known as people, currently swarming over and around its surface. One day, when we have consumed ourselves into oblivion, our planet will still be spinning on its axis. Night will still turn to day and back again to night. Yet, the future of humanity is most certainly at risk, because we have lost control, I think because we have lost perspective. We have installed ourselves as creators and deciders. We have given ourselves dominion over our fellow creatures and our planet We have installed voices in the brainless electronic boxes in our rooms that tell us to ignore the almost unanimous consensus of scientists about what we are doing to ourselves and our planet. They tell us this because it is more profitable for the companies that pay them if we keep magnifying our cycles of consuming and dumping. We have convinced ourselves that our problems are solvable with just one more fluorescent light bulb or one less disposable water bottle. Now, those things are important, but I argue that they're just not on the scale we need right now. The scale we need right now requires movement. It requires nations to act. Humanity has lost its perspective And we must do whatever is necessary to get that perspective back. I believe that religious organizations are in a unique position here. For the perspective that we need can be found by recognizing that we, humankind, we are not the pinnacle of all creation. One of the great gifts of religious community is finding and understanding that we can gain here, that there is in fact something greater than we are, however you might define that thing. Perhaps what is greater than we are is the story of our planet. And perhaps we can be motivated by a desire to have our small part in that unfathomable and gorgeous story have a happier ending than the one we are headed towards. It's a wondrous story. It's a glorious story. And we need to remind ourselves regularly of our obligation to play a part in it. We can do that. We can restore our right relationship with this planet. We can, I believe, regain perspective, foster a sense of awe at the splendor of creation, and inspire greatness in both our actions and our vision. And so I ask simply that that remain our challenge on this, the 40th anniversary of Earth Day. Blessed be.